Holidays are here, and so is fashionable fitness. Gift yourself a Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G, a phone that folds in half to literally stand on its own. Pair it with the Galaxy Watch 4 for ultimate wellness and wow factor. Check health stats, flex personal records. Over 90 activities can be tracked, like biking, swimming, golfing, and more. Invest in yourself with tech made to crush goals. Holidays open up with Galaxy. Shop it all at Samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with Carrier. Products sold separately. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everybody, this is Sam with Wrestling Overtime, and this is your WWE Raw results and thoughts for February 1st. 2021. Now, I just gave you guys a state of WWE where I didn't break out Raw versus um, SmackDown, but I did kind of think about Royal Rumble, where they could go from there, hoping that they would not really continue a lot of the same programs that they would think outside the box, think about what they could do with the talent and with what happened at the pay-per-view with Royal Rumble. Now, of course, Raw opened up with Drew McIntyre coming down to the ring and talking about his match with Goldberg. Now, for those of you who didn't listen to the state of the WWE or um, news and thoughts, I believe it was for February 2nd, I actually agreed with Booker T. I don't think that Goldberg needs to be in any more live, real live matches. I think that maybe he's got three more uh, matches on his contract and think that maybe he needs to go the cinematic route. He gave a good performance with Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre sold really well for him, and it was an interesting match because, I'll just be honest with you, I was hoping hoping against hope that they would not give Goldberg the belt. And they didn't. So someone was smart there. Um, as I said in, in News and Thoughts, uh, Vince McMahon missed the pay-per-view. He was on the phone. His brother, his older brother, Rod, passed away on January 20th. And he had... A lot of different things that he's had to take care of, including, I'm sure, himself. And so with Kevin Dunn, Bruce Pritchard, and Triple H, and Shane McMahon in the building, along with Daniel Bryan and Edge was there, of course, uh, Pat Buck, um, 
Jamie Noble, Adam Pierce, TJ Wilson, I am sure that I am forgetting someone. Um, all of them, I'm sure, made a great choice in not giving the belt to uh, Goldberg. And I really enjoyed... But was, I think, a little shocked to see Drew McIntyre not really even get hardly a word out edgewise. I don't I don't even remember I don't think that he even spoke at all. I think he'd just caught in the microphone. And we hear Edge's music. And I loved how Drew McIntyre talked about the first time he was in WWE. Now, he didn't come out and say this is about the very first time I was in WWE, but that's what he meant. Um, the first time he was in WWE, how Edge didn't care to take him under his wing, didn't care to be a mentor to him, and answer the questions that he had. He also talked about how he was there when Edge had to retire. And then he even brought up last year's Royal Rumble. He said he was being choked by AJ Styles when he heard Edge's music hit. Which, man, had to be unreal for him. Because I know as a fan, it was unreal to hear his music, thinking that he couldn't ever come back. And for McIntyre, of course, to win last year's Royal Rumble and that start his run. And of course, I'm sure in the back of his mind, after beating Brock Lesnar and, and going on... And seeing the Randy Orton Edge feud, that he had to know that had Edge not gotten injured, that their paths may have crossed. But Edge did get injured, and he did, you know, congratulate him. But then I thought it was very interesting that Edge... Being the blunt guy that he always has been, his character, rated or has always been, he talked about being an opportunist and how he couldn't believe that Drew McIntyre was putting him over like that. That he was the biggest threat to Drew right now because he hadn't made his choice. He didn't know whether he was taking on Drew McIntyre, Finn Balor, or Roman Reigns, and how he should have just kicked his head off. Well, Drew said, you know, that's that's just not me. And I thought, well, I kind of know where this promo is going, you know, until Seamus' music hit. And then, of course, we get Seamus to come out and kind of take up for Drew at first with Edge. 
about how they had a friendship for 20 years. He wasn't going to let Edge criticize his friend. And that he just, you know, couldn't get um, get that through his mind that, that Edge would come out here and, and, and do that. Of course, then Edge says, you know, he is the ultimate opportunist and that he'll make a decision when he makes a decision. But he says that Drew McIntyre has a big, big target on his bike and that he's playing a dangerous game. And Edge leaves. And Drew McIntyre watches him. And as he turns around, the thing that so many fans have been waiting on and predicting happens. Sheamus hits the bro kick on his friend. Basically, turning heel and turning into a program um, for them. Now, I I don't know how I feel about this. Here's why. I feel like this is Bailey and Sasha Banks all over. Um, and you guys know I wasn't a big fan of that. You know, they had SummerSlam and then they had Payback pay-per-view in August. Uh, one right after another. And they had Bailey turn on Sasha. Now their friendship wasn't 20 years. It was, you know, six, seven years long friendship. They had been on and off, uh, tag team partners and friends and everything for five. And they had just went on a magical run during the pandemic to help the company stay afloat. And, they basically took a long burn storyline that so many fans had looked forward to, had predicted. Many fans had predicted that Sasha would be the one to turn. And basically used it for a six-week storyline. When, if... They could have waited. That could have been the storyline of the Royal Rumble like this was. And taking them clear to WrestleMania. And I know some of you are saying, well, Sam, what are you talking about this for? Well, because that's basically what they've done to Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. They've been in and out of each other's lives. If you look on their social media, they've hung out with each other. They truly are friends. And um, while it's been 15 years or 20 years or however exactly long it has been that they've known each other and been friends, they have taken that and they're going to make it a five-week storyline. Unless it catches fire, and then they they may make it a, a seven or eight week storyline. There's no way Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus is going to be WrestleMania. 
So what they have done in people's minds has destroyed a 15 to 20 year friendship that is a long term burn that you can get many months out of by bringing up their friendship of getting them to turn to do things to each other and everything and they've boiled it down to basically three to five weeks is what i'm going to give it because this is going to be an elimination chamber match and then it's going to be over now, will it go to fast lane? Like I said, if it catches fire, yes, it may go to fast lane. But it's not going to WrestleMania. So we know within five weeks or seven, it's ending with Drew McIntyre being the champion. So we already know the outcome. We already know how it's going to play, and we already know how long it's going to play. Why? Why not wait till after WrestleMania, during the law, before we start the road to SummerSlam, and actually give it the friendship, the long-term build, the uh, unknown that it deserves, that Sasha and Bailey deserved, now Drew and Sheamus deserve. But anyway, moving on, of course, we get Bobby Lashley versus Riddle. And we talked about this a little bit in the state of the WWE. Um, I'm still not 100% sure or sold on Bobby Lashley. But at least they did make him an aggressive, out-of-control monster in this battle where he basically loses his mind, puts him in the full Nelson hurt lock, excuse me, and um, Riddle grabs the rope and the referee ends up disqualifying Bobby Lashley because he doesn't break the hold. And he continues and continues and continues. And, of course, he's furious because he was disqualified. And then he does it again. And he ends up throwing Riddle over the barricade. Later we see Riddle. He doesn't even know where he is. He doesn't know who did this to him or, or anything. And at least they did that. I mean, I am somewhat excited about that. However... How bad did they make Riddle look? He's an MMA fighter. That, number one, can't get out of a full Nelson twice. He gets thrown over a barricade and supposedly doesn't know where he's at, what he's doing, or who did it to him. So, technically, under concussion protocol, he should be out next week. They should have to run tests on him and all of that. And he could be out two to three weeks with a concussion. Will WWE do that? No. But technically, if you know, you're trying to explain this to kids that are watching this, that are playing sports of their own, teenagers, you know, they're wanting to get this fourteen to forty nine demographic. Well, they've been raised in the concussion area. They know you're out the next time. That's protocol. That's common knowledge. 
And so to do that to Riddle and kids have in their mind, well, he's not going to be on next week. Well, he will. And then they're going to wonder what's going on with that. But I did like how, you know, like I said, they had at least Bobby Lashley lose his mind. And he needs to do that a couple more times with someone other than Riddle. And that may be able to build him up because for so long, he's just been the quiet guy that they've predicted. Of course, then they have to announce that, you know, they're, they're going to have a, basically a number one contender match. It's going to be a triple threat with the tag teams to decide who can take on Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. Which, you know, hey, that's fine. Um, and then we come back from commercial and we get to see Randy Orton. Now, I noticed it in the Royal Rumble immediately. Uh, I wish they would have played it up. It was stupid last week, but I don't know what's more stupid. To have Randy Orton wear a stupid mask last week. And like I said, if your face is completely burned and, and is awful, and if, you're not going to have something on that tight. It's going to be wrapped in bandage. It's going to be covered in salve and all of this. You know, and then last week, he was bright red. He had, you know, all of these burns when he come up, and he RKO'd Alexa Bliss. He came out Royal Rumble, Randy Orton, perfectly fine, as handsome as ever. And in this promo, we get to see him close up, and there's no scarring. There's no uh, redness to his face or anything like that. It's almost like, well, we've forgotten all of that. Uh, nonsense of me wearing a mask, of me being burned last week. We're concentrating on Edge. We're we're having that tonight. So we've got to somehow end the storyline and get it over with. So let's just forget that he's burned. Another instance of WWE just completely dropping a storyline. And he talks about how, you know, that they were one and two, and how he tried to not allow Edge to come back in for his wife and kids and, and to do that. But he said Edge isn't going to be able to main event WrestleMania because I'm sending him home. There will be no mercy, no compassion for Edge. And I was like, okay, that ties in a little bit with the Alexa Bliss storyline as far as him having compassion and, you know, mercy on her as far as not lighting her on fire. So are we putting these two storylines together? Then we see Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods. 
Xavier, you know, um, has been taking one basically retribution by himself. He is taking one Ali tonight, and Kofi is there to pump him up. And he said, unlike last night, I have your back. I'm going to go on down to the ring. Now, my first thought is, if Kofi can be ringside, why did they break his streak of Royal Rumbles? Um, I know that Kofi had a bad jaw injury. He lost some teeth. We've detailed that in some news and, and thoughts. So, I mean, I feel for him. But man, oh man, he's spectacular in the Royal Rumble. And I wish he wouldn't have broke his streak of being in Royal Rumbles. If tonight he's cleared to be at ringside and to get involved. Of course, you know, when they get down there, Ali has brought some of Retribution. And... um. I think it was T-Bar and, and Slapjack were down there. Um, I don't know where the rest of them are. Uh, of course, we know that uh, I don't know her retribution name. I don't even remember it. But Mia Yim has COVID-19, and that is the reason why she's not there. But um, at least Xavier Woods wins this. And I believe he he has tied it up 2-2 with Retribution. But I am just, I guess, floored that we're still on this. Um, I guess we're going to bring Kofi back, and he'll take on all of Retribution. We need to call this. We need to call it, call it good, call it, call them jobbers, or we need to take them off. And after WrestleMania, Retribution needs to come back, and they actually need to have a plan. And are they bad guys that want to take over the WWE, where they're going to ruin matches, where they're going to take TV time from the senior citizens, as Ali says, or are we just doing away with them? What what are we doing? Because we've got some pretty decent wrestlers here with Mia Yim, with Ali, with... um, Dajakovic, that we could possibly be messing with their careers. And I'm beginning to think to Mercedes Martinez, getting out of this as fast as she could was the right move. I mean, this this is absolutely craziness. Loved it, though. We come back from commercial and we find out that WrestleMania is 68 days away, and I cannot wait. Um, And then... We have missed TV. And so much for, as I said, in, in the state of the WWE episode, of breaking John Morrison away. Letting John Morrison go for the United States title or the Intercontinental title and building him up as a good singles wrestler. His wife is a free agent. And Tyler Valkyrie is a very good women's wrestler. She has been on Lucha Libre and Impact Wrestling probably seven or eight years now. And if WWE wants to have a chance at her, you think that they would want to build her husband up to show her 
what they can do. But no, they want to keep Ms. Morrison together. And it's almost like they want them to be the joke of the WWE, which is absolutely ridiculous, especially since you gave Ms. the Money in the Bank briefcase. Which, by the way, I believe runs out in May. So we're looking at three and a half months here, Ms. You've got to figure out something. Who am I kidding? He doesn't have to figure it out, but the writers do. What exactly are we going to do with Ms. in this briefcase? Um, And he, of course, brings out Bad Bunny. I guess the WWE has now fell in love with Bad Bunny, especially since Bad Bunny has said he wants to get involved with the WWE. They see all of his fans and um, think, oh, if we could just get half of his fans to come over and start watching WWE, that would be a big score for us. So they have Bad Bunny on the show. The problem is... I don't know how well they promoted that, or if Bad Bunny promoted that. I don't follow him on social media, so I'm not sure that, that Bad Bunny has a um, an impact on people coming over and really, you know, watching him. It doesn't seem like that according to ratings, but who knows. Um, but, of course... Miz is trying to make him an offer where he can get him training, he can help him, guide him, be the A-lister, and Bad Bunny's not really buying this. We see Damon Priest, Damian Priest come out, and I will say that his Archer entrance does look better in the Thunderdome. However, I don't like the fact of turning out the lights completely. Um, because right now, that's the theme Alexa Bliss thing. And I, and it was Retribution's thing. So I think we're getting too many people with the lights getting turned off. Maybe a spotlight with him walking out and doing that and lighting the the graphic or or having generator lights on or something like that. Of course, um, we get Damian Priest with Bad Bunny versus The Miz with John Morrison, and it's Damian Priest basically debut match. Of course, he goes over The Miz because everybody is beating The Miz now. And like I said, here's your money in the bank suitcase carrier who is completely getting killed. And it's just sad, in, in in my opinion, that they're doing this. Then they decide, oh, we're going to throw another championships in here. We're going to go to the Raw Tag Team Champions, and we're going to do Lucha House Party versus... The Hurt Business. Now, of course, they're playing up the Hurt Business having issues 
Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander being on the same page, who's getting credit, uh, how Cedric Alexander is wanting to be the superstar, yet Shelton Benjamin, who has been around for 15, 20 years, is not going to just take a back seat to him. And with MVP on commentary, of course, he is trying to downplay all of this. So, of course, with Lucha House Party being the jobbers they are, we're going to continue telling that story by now not having Cedric Alexander get all the fame and glory. We're going to have Sheldon Benjamin get him back by tagging himself in and getting the pin and, of course, the Hurt Business then, you know, having issues afterwards and MVP having to kind of mediate. Here's my problem. For the longest of times, it seemed like every tag team around was having issues and and problems and stuff. You can't write a tag team division that way. That's not how you make it strong. That's not how you get people to cheer for it. That's not how you tell stories. Um, they've really got to fix this tag team division. And, you know, I outlined what I thought with the state of WWE episode. But will they do it? Can they do it? It would cause them to have to form some tag teams reform some tag teams or get people in there that would actually tell some stories. Now, the next segment, though, I completely enjoyed because I feel like they had to rehab Oscar some. And by that, I mean they had Oscar. She has always been this strong woman. She has the longest winning streak. She came up with it um, from NXT to WWE and had a winning streak. And, of course, Charlotte Flair was the one that broke that streak. But... This woman that would never give up that would fight anyone, anywhere, any given time. She was this invincible empress of tomorrow. But yet for, I guess, the last two weeks, or last two out of three weeks, they've had her cowering at little Alexa Bliss, who's smaller than Asuka. Asuka is small. And... Alexa Bliss is even smaller. And they've had her carrying in the corner. I can see her being afraid when Alexa Bliss changes. But then her going to check it out, being curious, showing, eh, I've got green mist. I'll just spit it in your face or whatever. But they actually had her carrying, they had her leaving at one point. So I think they had to do a little rehab. This segment, actually, whoever wrote it, whether it was Asuka and Charlotte coming up with it, whether it was a writer coming up with it, an agent, I don't know whether it was a combination of all, 
but them actually talking and Oscar saying, you know, look, if it wasn't because of your dad, we would have won the match. And tonight, you can't get distracted. Tonight, you, you've got to concentrate. And this is basically your issue with your own dad. And so, I, I really liked the strong, almost forceful Oscar that we got to see. Then, of course, we get the Charlotte Oscar versus the, uh, what does Oscar call them? The, um, uh, sexy muscle, muscular women, uh, Mandy Rose and Dana Burke versus Lana and Naomi. Now, I'm gonna be very honest. When I saw this, of course we know Ric Flair, Lacey Evans, they're coming out. Um, that was a no-brainer. WV, uh, or, or WWE is not gonna let that drop. Sorry. You know, not this early, not, not this fast. But I really thought they have a bona fide star. I mean, possibly a star who whose wrestling has gotten better, that if she would continue to get better, that in two to three years could be the women's division star, the next star to step up to the four horsewomen, and that is Mandy Rose. Now, I can't help it that they put her with Dana Brooke. That's that's not my fault. I didn't do it. But they have a bona fide star. So I really thought this was going to be her star-making moment. We're going to have Mandy Rose with that brand new pump kick that she's doing, which looks unbelievable. Uh, you can tell she's been working on that. I thought this was going to be their time to become the number one contenders. So really... Uh, I'll just be real honest with you. Shocked me that they decided no, we're going to feed that Lana Nia Jack story, and they allowed Naomi and Lana to actually get the win. Um, and they had the Lana Nia Jack story going on at Royal Rumble. Knew that they were probably going to continue it to a point, but never dreamed they would make them the number one contenders. Like I said, just thought it would be Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke. Um, was not expecting the Charlotte Flair move that they showed. That Ric Flair comes out. Lacey Evans, of course, comes out. Charlotte loses her mind, basically. Frustrated. Done with it. Tags Asuka in. Uh, Asuka's looking at her like, what are you tagging me in? What are you doing? And Charlotte leaves. Um... Never dreamed that, number one, they would do that. And number two, never dreamed that Charlotte Flair would let them do that to her character. Her character's always been very professional. She's an athlete. 
I mean, she played collegiate volleyball. She would never quit a match, but that's what we saw her do. We saw her walk up the ramp, just boom, leave Oscar. So, um, interested in that storyline. Because I think what that is going to do is then put Charlotte Oscar into a battle against each other because Oscar is upset. That is going to allow Lacey Evans to play with that because I really think that they're going to have Bianca Belair go after Sasha Banks. I don't think that they can resist that. So, um, We'll have to wait and see, but having Naomi and, and Lana as number one contenders, I'm going to assume that's happening at um, the Elimination Chamber. They're going to have an actual women's Elimination Chamber, which means that Bianca will make her choice either Friday night or soon. Um, As far as... Them having Charlie Caruso interview, or should I say re-interview, Drew McIntyre. Um, She starts off talking about Edge. I don't know that that's what they should have done. If you're going to reintroduce uh, Drew McIntyre tonight, I think it has to be all about Seamus. And they eventually got to that, and he, he said, you know, if Seamus is willing to throw our friendship away, then, you know, so be it. He's got a match waiting on him. You know, I, I don't really care. Um, the next match, to start the 10 o'clock hour, I thought was a big, big, huge mistake. Um... Why? I know a lot of you are like, you know, the 10 o'clock hour, they used to try to win that. That used to be the hour that they knew that kids were going to bed, that they were PG, PG PG-13, whatever they wanted to say, and they went a little edgier in the 10 o'clock hour because they knew kids were going to bed. To start it off with... Jeff Hardy was great. Jeff Hardy's fan favorite, especially with the older people, especially with kids um, that are 18 to 49, just for the simple fact he's crazy, he'll do anything. However, to throw him against Elias and Riker again, then to have Carlito as his partner, big, huge mistake. Um, really would have started off with something different to catch those people in that 10 o'clock hour. They have an opportunity with football ending. Baseball hasn't started yet. Uh, NBA is canceling games left and right because of COVID-19. They actually have a chance of capturing some people in the 10 o'clock hour. This is not the match to do it. I'm going to be real honest with you. Um, I wasn't a Carlito fan. I barely remember him. I am not one of the people that was chanting 
to bring him back on Legends Night or was so upset I was crying on Legends Night. I don't remember Carlito. Um, and what I do, I know that he won some championships. I don't remember them being long reigns. I remember him turning into a jobber. I, I didn't think he was that big of a deal. And for him to get put with Jeff Hardy right off the bat was shocking to me. But to put them with Elias and Riker, come on. Surely you have something else to throw into the 10 o'clock hour. You have to. Um, I would have rather started with that women's tag team three-way in the 10 o'clock hour than to see this mess starting the 10 o'clock hour. Now, of course, Jeff Hardy and Carlito you know, are going to go over in this match. How can they not? But, again, you have someone like Riddle in Elias that supposedly was supposed to be a star. Supposedly, you know, he he was going to be the superstar. He, he was going to be this dual threat for WWE. He was going to sing, put out records. He was, they were going to give him a belt. They were going to do this. They were going to do that. No, you're having him lose every week. You're not, you're not pushing him. You're not getting him over. I don't think you should be. I think he's garbage. I think he should go back to NXT for some work or take a break and get a different gimmick. I'm shocked he didn't come back with a different gimmick when he was injured. But this match went on too long. They go to commercial. When they come back, we get Edge. Maybe that's what you should have started the 10 o'clock hour with. Is Edge talking about Randy Orton? That would have probably drew people in. And talking about his friendship. Talking about all the things that they had went to. Talking about how he feels Randy Orton's a slacker. Because basically that's what that promo said. You know, I came out number one. Randy Orton came out number two. He got an knee injury. He got help to the back. He sat in the back and then came out and tried to ruin my Royal Rumble. And while I was out there, you know, 50, what was it, 58 minutes or 59 minutes, Randy Orton was there eight and tried to take the easy way out. He always feels he's entitled. He always and and Edge cut this promo almost like the one he did last April, June, where Edge is entitled or excuse me, that Randy Orton's entitled and how Edge has the grit, has the passion that wants to work. And so I I like that. Maybe we should have started the 10 o'clock hour with that. Then we get a match that is off the wall to me. We get Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross. Well, I thought we had dropped that. I thought we had buried Nikki Cross. Nikki Cross comes out, looks great. Um, I have to give her total credit. She has 
while they were not letting her on TV, while they were not pushing her, while they were not getting her involved in singles battles, while they were not giving her a new tag team partner, she must have been working with someone. She must have been getting in shape. She must have been running. She must have um, been doing things, watching tape, and, and doing all the right things. Because in this match, she had a different confidence. She had a different move set as far as her transitions, which makes me think she was either working with someone or watching tape. Um, felt like she looked stronger like she did when she came up in XT. Felt that, um, I don't know, that she just had a different way about her. But, I can't help but wonder, she complained to the media a week and a half ago, all of a sudden gets put in the Royal Rumble, now has a TV match with Alexa Bliss. We haven't seen her for six months. And now, boom, you're all all of a sudden re-bringing this story up. Why? What what was the cause of that? Why are you choosing to do that? No one wanted to fill us in when they should have. It 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 doesn't make any sense. Um, did enjoy that they are still having Alexa Bliss change, and like now that she coming out. As the seven to ten year old girl twirling around, hopping, skipping, jumping, um, you know, acting excited. Love that. Um, saw on uh, social media where somebody complained it or uh, compared it to Bailey's hugger, hugger character in NXT. Now, granted, I don't remember the first probably six months to a year of the Bailey character in NXT, but I really don't think it was this young. I guess I always thought that that character was based more on a teenager and their love of wrestling and them getting excited about being a wrestler, being around the wrestlers, being around the crowd. Whereas I don't get the feeling that Alexa Bliss's character, when she comes out and is overjoyed and excited, hop, skipping, jumping, that she's a teenager. I get her seven, ten-year-old self coming out. But I do love the fact that she is changing and that she changed back into the Alexa Bliss, the goddess, into her old outfit where... She was Nikki's friend. I loved Nikki Cross's acting of, hmm, that is what my friend looked like. That's what my friend sounded like. However, that is also the person that screwed me over, so I don't care. And Nikki Cross took it to her. Whereas Asuka was like, um, I'm scared nervous of this. I thought Nikki Cross played it perfectly. Of course, then, boom, we get her change back. 
and really, really liked that. Um, loved that they have switched up Alexa Bliss's finisher. Uh, it's a sister Abigail with kind of um, a, DDD, a, a DDT twist. Love that. Um, how she changes her hand placement. Um, I think, number one, it makes it easier on Alexa Bliss. It also makes it safer for the women that she's putting this on. And it makes it faster. And I just really like that. Love the interplay with Alexa going up the ramp, skipping, hopping, and jumping, and then walking past Randy Orton. Looking at him, even as she's walking up the ramp past him, she's still looking at him. If you watched her, Randy Orton did not pay a bit of attention to her. He is done with her. He is focused on Edge. He doesn't... She lit him on fire, and he still does not care because that's how deep his battle is with Edge. And so for him not to focus on her at all, but I love the little thing of her continuing to walk up the ramp, and even when she got to the stage, she was still watching Randy Orton, wanting to make sure that he wasn't going to pull anything or to see if he would give her the time of day. Um, The battle with Edge and Randy Orton, of course, you know, you can't help it. But with... um. These two in the ring, they know each other so well. They put together a great match. Um, I just, I I mean, I can't use any other word for it other than I really, really enjoyed this match. Loved Randy Orton going to the thumb and the eye. Loved um, him taking advantage of Edge, but Edge ever the opportunist that when Randy goes to do the DDT, turns it into his own move. Thought that we're going to get Randy Orton being Edge to make him question his confidence when we saw the draping DDT that Randy Orton was doing, him doing the Viper, and then, boom, Alexa Bliss's Funhouse music. And with her sitting on the top row, um, the black coming out of her mouth. Um, Almost looked like oil. I did enjoy that as far as um, it was interesting. Almost wish that it would have been red, though. That it would have seemed like something had taken over her body and blood was coming out. Maybe they didn't want to go that far. Maybe it's rot that's coming out with the black goo that's coming out. I don't know. But obviously, Orton, little confused, little distracted. Um, but 
doesn't allow it to really affect him other than just made him turn his head when he turns his head back. Boom. Edge hits him with the spear. Now, the only thing that I guess I disagreed with was them saying, okay, the, the Edge and Randy story is over. Well, is it? I don't, I, I don't feel like it is. I don't think, I think we've still got more to tell. I know that they're setting Edge up for something completely different on the road to WrestleMania. But, and they, they've got Orton going with the Fiend or with Alexa Bliss, however. But the thing is, I still think we have more to tell. I still, Edge did not win that claim. I think Randy Orton can say that. And I think that we can tell this story more. So, you know, my thoughts on the show, I still feel like we're in a funk. We're, like I said, in the state of the WWE episode. What are they doing? They're going up and down. Their major stars, you know, Edge, Randy Orton, um, Alexa Bliss, Charlotte Flair, Asuka, um, even, well, I was going to say New Day, but no, they've got New Day kind of mired in the mid-card. Um, it's almost like they're wanting one to two main men's stories, one to two main women's stories, and think that is the success story. What they don't realize, yes, that kind of works on SmackDown to have Roman and Jey Uso, Paul Heyman, be the main story, and then you have a woman story, Sasha Carmella, Sasha Bailey, Bailey, um, Bianca, or whatever, to kind of go in there. You got two hours, remember? And you can kind of fill in with other stores. Because remember, you've got Daniel Bryan. You, you've you got Sami Zayn. You've got Kevin Owens. You've got Seth Rollins on there now. So SmackDown has that. Raw's three hours. Drew McIntyre and the Randy Orton story have been carrying this along with... Charlotte Flair now in the women's tag team thing. You've got to have more. Where was AJ Styles? You know, you, there needs to be something there with AJ Styles. Um, you know, you you need to bring maybe something more. And so, I know what we're going to be getting. For until Elimination Chamber, it's going to be Sheamus, uh, Drew. We're going to have Randy playing with Alexa Bliss and the Fiend, and then we're going to have Edge in the middle trying to decide. We're going to get Oscar versus Charlotte, and then Lana, um, Nia Jax, and probably the table thing again. I don't know that that's three hours worth of material there. So I, I really think Raw's got to get it together. 
I don't think it is the flagship program that they want it to be. And that's just a sad state of affairs. But anyway, what do you guys think? Do do you think this is the end of Edge and Randy Orton? Do you want it to be the end of it? What do you think of Sheamus' heel turn? What do you think about Charlotte Flair completely walking off, leaving her tag team partner, and going up the ramp, and basically just quitting? You guys need to write me, wrestlingovertime at gmail.com, or hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at wrestlingovertime. Tell me what you're thinking, uh, because I definitely want to hear, are you as disappointed as what I am? Anyway, I will be talking to you guys soon, and I will see you down the road. Holidays are here, and so is fashionable fitness. Gift yourself a Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G, a phone that folds in half to literally stand on its own. Pair it with the Galaxy Watch 4 for ultimate wellness and wow factor. Check health stats, flex personal records. Over 90 activities can be tracked, like biking, swimming, golfing, and more. Invest in yourself with tech made to crush goals. Holidays open up with Galaxy. Shop it all at Samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with Carrier. Products sold separately. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.